You're listening to the New Utah Podcast with your hosts, Bree. People can say my name and I still don't pay attention. Chris. This is what happens when your number one health concern in the state is porn. Jeremy. Flicks it and then walks out and just kicks the living crap out of whoever. And Julia. This week on Julia does everything that's embarrassing. 304. Dun, dun, dun. We're in studio, uh, and not on weird recording. Sorry if the sound quality was bad last week. My apologies. There was some, a lot of technical difficulties. A lot of technical difficulties. I think I cleaned it up pretty well, but we'll see. We'll see. Well, in six years, we've only had like two, maybe three that were. Remember that weird bathroom episode where everybody was in the bathroom, apparently? Yeah. That was there was one that Bohemian. I, there was one that I had to take down and Bohemian. pull that put back up because it. So I don't know. But but you were able to fix that one. But I don't know what happened. But I, yeah, Bohemian. I was listening to it. Was oh, like, it sounds like we're all in the bath. How I how I fixed that was by re-editing the raw audio because there was no fixing it. Like it what I I must have put an effect on it accidentally. Oh, and like I have no idea what I. But did. those when we're on site. That I mean, stuff happens. You know, these mics are great for on site, but holy shit, they are terrible for guests that can't talk into them. Which unfortunately, is three quarters of our guests. Oh, yeah. We should get and like, me every other time. We should get like one or two that just don't. But then you'd hear the dogs chewing on their food under the table the whole time. Not necessarily. You can get a little bit better. Dra- I mean, guys, we don't have expensive mics. No. I want to point out that collectively we have about $70 worth of microphones <laughs> in here. And there's seven mics, so uh, they're, they're, that's, that's they're s- telling you something. There's six. Oh, yeah. You don't know how to count. Mm-hmm. It's okay. <laughs> it's true. But the, the collectively there's not. I think there's one nice mic out of the bunch that was like 40 bucks or something. The rest of them, literally, we got one that was like 3 well, for 20 I think we had to buy that one because of the old board, right? Yeah, because yeah. the old board didn't power uh, all of the mic inputs. We're rolling into our six years. Maybe it's time to spend a little money on some mic upgrades this year. Yeah. Because every year we... Upgrade or try to do something. Add was it something, yeah. Two years ago, we did the tables. Was that two years ago or three years ago? It was ago? before COVID. Yeah, it was so right. Three. Yeah, it was before so COVID. Three years ago when we built the tables. Because we moved then, into this space permanently and um, put the mics and stuff in. The and stands. then we got the, the, the board, I think, was two years ago. The board and then the, the, the nicer mic stands. And, and then we... I think last year at some point, like early in the year, or maybe it was, maybe it was two years ago as well, that we outfitted all of our travel gear. I think that was two years ago. So that we... Because we upgraded a bunch of stuff here and then took the older then, stuff. Yeah. But if we upgrade all these microphones, they can just... They can become travel gear permanently. Then, then you don't ever have to take things down. That's so, a, yeah, idea. it might be worth... It might be worth finding a good mic and, and uh, testing it out in here with, with people and animals and the background music and seeing what we get. Yeah. Now that our listeners know this, know all of our behind the scenes. That, they love it, I'm sure. Hey, also, maybe you didn't know, last week was pre-recorded because I was in Florida, hanging For- out with Florida. He was hey. a Florida man. That's what I was just going to say. <laughs> no, I was not, but I was hanging out with some Florida men. Um, I was actually, I hate Orlando for conferences because it, Orlando, if you've never been there, it's basically like a giant megatropolis of theme parks and so there are like groupings of hotels close to these theme parks but then like 
even the signs all over the freeway, they're just to lead you to the theme park. Yeah, they really are. And so there's like, and then so like, for instance, I stayed at a Marriott property, the Spring Hill Suites. There's 10 of them there. 10. 10 Spring Hill Suites. And there's like, literally, there's two on International Drive, which is where I was staying. I was walking with him one night, like he was walking back from something and we were, we were talking. And he's like, oh, that's not my hotel. <laughs> but there's two of them like a mile apart on the same road. <laughs> Yes. And when I first got there, I actually went to the wrong one because I had chosen the wrong one in my navigation. Oh. I, like, I don't think this is right. But like the thing that sucks about Orlando is everything's spread out. So like they have a really fucking cool Vietnamese district that's 20 minutes away from where I was staying, um, which I mean, that's okay, right? Like we have that's a- not that far. But like a lot of times you'll be at a hotel and there's like three places to eat nearby and then everything else is a 10 to 15 minute One time drive. I went out there and it was like a resort and there was literally nothing. It and was like hadn't... a one mile walk to get off property to a, a, a main street where <laughs> you could find We hadn't rented something. a car because we were like, oh, surely that will be easy. And Chris had to like get the shuttle, go back to the airport and get a car because it was my conference. And like during the day, he's like, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not, I can't just be stuck here with. Or it's those places where you can see where you want to go. You're looking right at it, but there's That's, like yeah. no way to get there. You can't find the road. So, but Orlando was built, I mean, for conventions. They have a huge convention center. That's why this convention's there. The, the convention is it, center. Is SeaWorld close to that or? SeaWorld's pretty close. Universal's pretty close. Um, Disney Dis- parks are all. Well, fuck like all. totally opposite corners of Orlando, but <laughs> Disney, the Disney parks are like fucking 300 miles apart on their own. So they're way far apart. Yeah. Disney World is really spread out. If, those of you that know Disneyland, that is not Disney World. They have Disneyland is like one of the parks one park, out of the four. And in California Adventure is another park literally but right twice next, as big. Yeah. Right next to Disneyland. You, can, you walk like you, you can't do You can't hop between parks. You have to take a whole Disney bus World. and a shuttle and the, sh- the little shuttle. It's not like, oh, we just go they're, take a little monorail. No, it's a ride. Yeah, they're very far apart. So it is a drive on the freeway. And then like, I mean, literally, I'm not kidding about theme parks everywhere because there's like Bush Gardens and I think there's a Six Flags and like. Just the street I'm on, like there's, you know, there's a Dave and Buster's. It's like a, there's a bunch of restaurants and a, like it was actually a, a decent district to stay in, which I didn't know. That's why I rented a car because the last couple times I've been to Orlando, like I would have paid probably, you know, $600 in Uber fares to get around the fucking oh, town yeah. and eat. And so, but anyway, so then where I was at, like there was a, there was a giant fucking like satellite high swing thing. So like, oh, one of those. Oh yeah, that the launches launch, you way up and we then watch swings. those on YouTube because the people that pass out on. So it. there was one of those. There's but, a giant Ferris wheel. These are just standalone attractions like randomly in this area. And then there was another one of those. So uh, you were right on the, the ocean side then, weren't you? Like pretty close to the beach. Uh, Orlando's in the middle of Florida. There's no oh, beach. Oh, no, there's beach. a okay. name. It was. It's. It's like the it's, little. It's this little park thing. It's a strip. It's between what's International Drive. And Universal Drive, and it's between basically SeaWorld and Universal Studios, and apparently it's full of tourists. And normally, like Spring Hill's not the best Marriott brand, but it's a Marriott brand, right? And I, the best thing that I can, it's it was the weirdest fucking hotel to stay in because it was almost like, like close to Motel Six feeling, really, and the number of people and like how fucking loud they were at like ten o'clock at night. I'm like, Jesus Christ, go to bed, because we've always had. Fairly good luck with the with the Spring Hill but Suites. I, I think I figured it out. It's all the families. Uh, it's all the fucking families with like the theme seven people fucking staying in this in this room. 
and their kids gotcha. are just running around like fucking psychopaths the whole time. It's called Icon Park. It's the one Ferris wheel, the one spinny swing, and then the one launcher launcher thing. We went there. We were going to make a day out of it. It's literally like... It's three things. It's so tiny. And then there's like a couple little vendors, and then there's like a couple little museums and an arcade, and then just some... There's the Florida it's Hooters like across the street. not even somewhere. the size of a mall. It's so little. We were done in 20 minutes. Yeah, it's not very big. And we did the ride, so... Yeah, it's not very big, but I was I was right. There's there. like a Madame Tussauds and like yeah. an aquarium in there, but yeah. so how was your actual conference? Was it all right? It was fantastic. Good. Uh, I got a new certification, so I have things that I can put after my name if I want. Um, it was a good conference. I I really enjoy that conference each year. I like going as an attendee too, and not having to fucking work as like a vendor because that sucks. Oh, yeah. Well, you did that for years and years and oh, years. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And I mean, this is a conference where a lot of the vendors also attend a lot of the stuff. But really good keynotes. Um, a lot of it's. I won't bore everyone with all the stuff, but it's a you know health information management systems conference. Did so. they send a lot of your team, or just you, or just a couple? Uh, myself and my boss went. Um, oh. My boss wanted to. I think he just wanted to go to Orlando. He had some meetings with some vendors, but I don't know how much of the conference he actually attended. He, I know he ended up in his hotel room, room working with attorneys on something for like a day. <laughs> <laughs> I felt bad for him. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think next year, uh, I'll drag our IT manager and, and probably my product manager. It, it's always in Florida or do they bounce? Florida. They bounce you... between Florida and Vegas for between Orlando and Vegas. So next year. Cause they're really the only places big enough to host the conference. They're, right. Their convention centers are, you know, there's a lot of them in Vegas and they have a lot of hotel rooms yeah. and, you know, same thing with Orlando. There's so many hotels that's built for conventions in that. I regard. know when they had the huge code shift back in 2012. We all went down to Vegas for the code, uh, the IBC IRC International Building Code. And it was massive, yeah. but, but they can ha- house thousands of people at a time. Yeah. I mean, so this conference, like when the one that was canceled in 2020 was supposed to be 40,000 plus. I think they were somewhere between 26 and 30 this, yeah. this year. Not so, bad. So pretty big on the attendee side. Yeah. You know, that doesn't include vendors and stuff. So, uh, what about you guys? You guys did something. So Friday, uh, we went to the Cocktail Collective. Alexi, right? Alexi, Alexa, Alexi. Alexi. Uh, so we had her on the show. So those of you who are interested, we had her episode 301. So yeah, just a few episodes ago. Uh, she had talked about her classes on the show. And so it was really fun to be part of it. And she actually uh, coordinated with Julia. So Julia did her shop as part of it and did her spell jars. And then they did the cocktail so, uh, Alexi, it's, it was really cool because it wasn't just, here's a cocktail. She got into it. She explained it. She, you made your cocktail. Uh, yeah. You had a strainer. You had a whisk. Yeah. You had spoons. You had a mixing cup and yeah, a She made it along with her. So, she stood up You put in all the individual ingredients. You measured it out. She walked it, you through it, and then you made your own drink, which how was many, one of the tables where- <laughs> How many cocktails did you make? Just one. So this class, and it depends on the class. This class it was a huge mug, though. Was one, and then she was she did a class like the following night that was two. So it just depends on the class. But I suppose she like explained like why the how the cocktail came about, and right? And and then each ingredient she talked about the ingredients. So this was uh, it had celery, uh, bergamot, uh, vermouth. It was a vermouth tequila, tequila, Lacroix. <laughs> 
Well, I didn't like my drink because it was an alcoholic, the, but she used LaCroix as the base on the tables, but she used us. To but we had like lime if you wanted to. We got, all got our own little like nuts and berry platters just to eat. If you wanted to put your berries in it, you could. And then well, mint. The it had what mint. if you wanted to put your nuts in it? You could have. You could have. <laughs> your, your cracker nut things. <laughs> But it's because you have to have food if you serve alcohol in Utah. So anyway, but but it was cool because she explained it. And then she's got one coming up uh, because it's women's women's month, women something. They get a month month. too. That's why I'm shaking my head. So the next one whole fucking month. It's ridiculous. Yeah, because all the rest of the fucking business owners. That is not true. (laughs) So she's got a class. February's taken too. (laughs) (laughs) She's got a class coming up where it's. specifically drinks created by women. And so she was talking about three specific drinks, the sidecar. She mentioned a couple of, anyway, that are, were specifically created by women. And so she's going to focus on that. Uh, but it was a lot of fun. Uh, I would definitely suggest anybody that, that wants to, she does a whiskey class. She does a wine class. So it's wine and painting. Yeah. She does the wine and painting thing. So it, it all depends. So, so go and check out their classes because it's different things. It's not, it's, it's different liquors, different drinks. Yeah. She and, does a tea one as well. And any any drink you do, if you don't want to drink, drink, she has a mocktail version that you make along with it. So you're still active. You still so a shittier version, a strictly shittier version. So you just have one less ingredient, basically. That's fine. One or two. So anyway, it was a lot of fun. And yeah, Julia got to vend and do yep. her. But yeah, a real cocktail, the alcohol is the big part of it and the star. And if you remove that, oftentimes yeah. the mocktail doesn't turn yeah. out the same. So, well, and, and she it, was so sweet. She gave me a whole book afterward and she wouldn't let me give it back. That was drinks without alcohol is this huge recipe books of drinks that I could make. Cause I'm so picky about what things that I drink. You could just go to so delicious or fizz or any number of those shitty yeah, drink places. Yes. So As she sits there drinking a Wendy's drink. Yeah. And I'm going to have two sips of it. So like a pink lemonade or something. I don't there? know. I, it looked interesting. I liked I, the color. I want the pink drink. The pink drink. Because that's a very natural color. <laughs> it's like blue. the it's and like blue. blue. When we went to when we oh, went God. to dinner <laughs> with with the parents, one of the margaritas was blue. <laughs> yeah, that do was the want, flavor. Like what flavor? Yeah, it was like do you strawberry, want? you know, just a, a traditional margarita and then blue. Blue. Weird. <laughs> blue is not a flavor, people. Blue razzmatazz. Sure as fuck is. Yeah, but blue raspberry is not a thing either. Yes, anyway, it is. so yeah, we're gonna be coordinating classes together twice a month now so we're gonna do one around the full moon each month and then one right at the beginning of each month uh because she wants to kind of go with like a moon celestial theme for our collaboration what happens if the full moon is at the beginning of the month then we do both i guess i don't know so the next they're one, all kind of in the middle of the month so far we've booked out like the whole year werewolves so the next one's supposed to be whiskey so i'll let you know you can come with us chris for the whiskey one i think the next one's april 1st Find out uh, for sure. I don't sure. think I can do anything on April 1st. Then the next one That is... fucking day just ruins itself. I Anything that you're going to do on that day... The next one is April like 16th. Yeah, so I told her I told her that she should do a whiskey one, so she said the next collaboration will be a whiskey. As and then we're collaborating on a drink, too, so she's going to have a bottled whiskey or something. We're going to stamp my logo on it. So anyway, so it was fun. Cool. Go check it out. Go, go see him. It was it was fun. Go to one of the classes. That yeah, sounds like it would be a fun. It, it really was and educational and fun. I mean, it, it was cool to to actually make your own drink and her explain it, and it was pretty cool. 
Julie, what's this about a coupon that you have out there for people? Yeah, not a coupon. Okay, so <laughs> so I have a bunch of uh, events that I'm going to be doing this summer. So if you come to the events and you find me and you tell me that you listen to the podcast or that you came because of the podcast, I will let you pick one of any crystal from the whole tray that you want for free, okay? So it has to be from the square trays, but there's like 60 to choose from. Uh, so we are doing the Pride Festival. That's June 4th through 5th. We're doing West Fest. That's in West Jordan. Uh, June 16th Excuse through 18th. Excuse me. That is an incorrect statement, West my dear. West Fest. Oh, that is West Valley. West Valley. West Valley, whichever one it is. I it's don't know. very fucking different. Yeah. One of them you'll get shot at. One of them's over there. <laughs> one of them's over there. One of them's, one of them's down by and the Walmart. And I'm waiting on to hear back for the West. other one. Okay. West Fest, wherever <laughs> yeah. that is. West Valley, forever. June 16th through 18th. I don't know. They just emailed me. He was like, do you want to do it? And I was like, I don't yeah, know where they, it is, but okay. Now they have it at the park over across from, by the skate park across from, um, Walmart over there. The community center. Oh, okay. yeah. Okay. And like, that's like a ton of fucking open land that they have. So, carny rides and everything. Yeah, forever it was in the, 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 yeah, the Granger. Granger, like, but since they rebuilt it, I don't think they have the kind of room they used to. Yeah, there's a lot of room over there. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, so that's West Fest. Okay. And then June 25th, we have Harriman Town Days. And then July 1st through 2nd, we have Riverton Town Days. I think at all of these, except for the Pride Parade or the Pride Festival, you can get um, switchblades and throwing stars Yeah, from some of the vendors. Yeah. You'll need them at I the I don't West know. Fest. At Pride, though, you can get butterfly wings. Oh, that's true. That is true. You know, butterfly wing do cover knife. So do cover. It's true. Butterfly wings cover butterfly knife. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that reminds me. So I started watching... Um, Peacemaker uh-huh. on HBO. So, do you remember the second Suicide Squad? Did you see the second Suicide Squad? No. Okay. I so. know of what you speak, but I liked I... the first two thirds of the first Suicide I liked Squad. The, first one, the second I one is. I got bored w- by the end. The second one's way better. Oh, is it? Like, it's, is like lights out better. And John Cena plays a DC superhero called Peacemaker, and he's really a giant fucking asshole. Like, he. <laughs> is that the TV show? It is a, the Peacemaker is the name of the TV show. But okay, I've seen character. the previous course. So I know Peacemaker. what you're talking about. And John John Cena still plays him in the TV show. Gotcha. And it's it's fucking hilarious. He has his sidekick is an eagle, a bald eagle, a pet bald eagle, and it fucking hugs him. Like, <laughs> is this a live action? Oh yeah, yeah. No, and it's 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 the the intro. Like, all you have to do is watch the initial intro. Like after the the like pre intro stuff happens, and then you watch the intro. Oh my god, the intro is freaking on it. It's it's just it's so good. So it's really funny. Brie wasn't a giant fan, um, which means I'd probably like it. But it was. It's got to me. It's got the right amount of humor and like actual some serious character development, and then also they fucking kill people. So kind of like stupid. a, a Deadpool ish, where it's a fair amount of violence, but it's got humor and yeah. No, it's stupid. Not sad. It's like a violent like Napoleon it. dynamite. It's oh, really that's dumb. awesome. Yeah. You, you're just like, <laughs> you're selling it. Say, that caters to most people. <laughs> you're selling it there. It's got, it, it got less stupid, by the way, but still funny. I don't believe you. I came out of the bathroom of room having my shower and watched the end of it and it didn't look any less stupid. <laughs> a violent Napoleon dynamite. Could there be anything I, better? Yeah, but the butterfly knife. Violent Nacho Libre. Oh, and well, Butter- Libra is violent. And no, more violent. <laughs> they're on a special project called Project Butterfly. And that's all I'll say about that. That's awesome. Um, that's why I thought about it. <laughs> that's awesome. 
so, so stupid. It's good. We like do have it. Best of Salt Lake coming up. So uh, Jen, from that is Payne. not to be confused with City Weekly's. No, best this is of, yeah. So. This is Salt Lake City SLC Best of Salt Lake County. Really true. Uh, Jen actually reached out to me and asked if if we would be willing to announce it on the show. I said absolutely. Uh, I kind of looked it up and I noticed quite a few of our. People that we've talked to, Ruby Stamp was on it. Uh, so this is a little different. You have to be nominated in order to get voted for. Yeah, um, filling in some emotions. So you pick. So you select from a multiple choice. You don't. Put yeah, you a, don't a write blank answer. In. Gotcha. You select, but K nine is was on the list, and uh, Kudos is also on the list for uh, for dog boarding. Or I think that they won the last couple. Of years. And they've won a couple years in a row. It's a pretty big deal for businesses yeah. to win this. So. so it's from now until April sixth is the voting, and you just go to best of slc.com uh, and it's got multiple categories or if you know who you want you can type in the individual name um, I don't know if you have to vote for everything but I do think you have to vote for a certain number for it to count so I'll do it's it right like, now I'll let you know in a minute you can't yeah. just go and vote for one and they do done. they do like verify your ballot with a phone number so you can't yeah. like Jeremy you doesn't verify it with a, with a text message so only one per phone number yeah so well, I started to type it out and I was like, oh, but co- anyway, but he wrote, wrote best uh, of SLC and then dot com. Dot com. <laughs> OK, <laughs> so yep. voting started yesterday. Yep. It ends April 6th. Yep. Vote in as many categories as you can. Only one vote per category from each person will be counted. Yeah, there you go. OK, so yeah, go in there. There's plenty of categories and there's a lot of people that we've talked to on the show. Uh, so go vote. Make somebody's day. Make my day. Make your day. Uh, I'm going to talk about one more thing, okay. and then maybe we'll get to our guest. Uh, and that is Real Salt Lake. Um, so Go Real! They've had um, a really good season thus far. They're, I mean, their opening schedule is brutal. Like, they're playing the best teams from last year as they start the year. They so. played Saturday, was it? Yeah, I mean, Saturday. they generally play on Saturdays. Um <laughs> That's usually the Not always. Though. Sometimes they play Wednesdays. Yeah, if they have and they're actually games. playing Easter Sunday. Yeah, yep. so they have an occasional Sunday. So I know occasionally mainly, but so usually su- Sunday means it's a nationally televised game because that's when they do the nationally televised Telemundo. games. Uh, Wednesday <laughs> or ESPN or FS1, I think, is the other station that does them. Uh, Wednesday games happen because of midweek. Brought um, to you by Bimbo. Bimbo. <laughs> By bimbos. <laughs> Bimbo. Yeah, by bimbos. Uh, so anyway, tough schedule to start out the, uh, to start out the year. Um, and RSL has taken, um, we're undefeated. So we tied the first game at Houston. Then we proceeded to beat Seattle, uh, who, are uh, the Seattle, your snowstorm game. Uh, that was one of them. that was the oh. game here that was cold and snowy and thundery. Yeah, and then uh, <laughs> RSL proceeded to go to New England, which was an actual blizzard it when the game started. Th- they started in not, the snow. You what? RSL we was wearing, wearing white, white, and you couldn't see them, <laughs> and you could not see the players. It was ridiculous. But they ended up coming back and winning that game. And then this last weekend, uh, we we uh, were able to. Uh, I think pretty handily beat Nashville, who had a pretty good season for their first year last year. Which uh, means we have 10 points right now. Yeah, 10 points in four games against the top teams in the league that's, last year. That's better than they've done like in all of some seasons. Yeah, I mean, technically, <laughs> I think um, we're at the top of the table. That's awesome. Um, so LA, Salt Lake, and Philadelphia. Now it's early. It doesn't really matter. It's you know too early to really matter, but... Uh, it's a big deal, um, especially given the teams that we're beating. So yeah. we are, you know, we are beating teams that, 
um, are doing, you know, should be doing really well. Um, you know, there's some caveats to that, like Seattle and New England are both in uh, Champions League, so they have another competition that's going on at the same time. But needless to say, you know, RSL, you don't win three in a row like that and not get noticed. So uh, they finally moved up. They were like... <laughs> Like, oh, you beat Seattle, who everyone had ranked top of the top of the, the table. Move up a spot. Oh, you beat New England, who was the supporter shield winner last year, meaning they, they had a better record than everyone else in the league last year. Move up one spot. Now we moved up like eight spots into like That's position cool. seven. Well hope, so. hopefully what that means is the changes that they've made. Oh, and you can tell like have, are starting in, to yeah. in the stadium, the graphic stuff that they're doing on screen is incredibly good. Um you can tell that it's not just Oh, do you, you know, like in design a little bit or like uh, After Effects, you, you can you build some stuff together. They have like an actual fucking design person doing it. Not somebody's college age kid. Who's they've, <laughs> they've had pyrotechnics both time, both, both home games. When the players come out, they're making a big spectacle and show of it. It's been two sellout crowds. Nice. Um, and I, I think, you know, the, you, you can see that there is a sporting based organization uh in place for this club now uh, and i think that you're you're going to continue to see those kinds of improvements happen uh and and uh, it's really good it's good to see that because that uh, you know it's been a while uh, it's been rough so yeah no that's good that's really good to hear all right this week we are joined by uh orion collinsworth did i say it right orion uh, Orion. 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 So I, that's why I asked. I usually ask before we start, but I didn't <laughs> this time. Well, I didn't forget. I was like, oh, I can get this name. I got <laughs> I got this, and I didn't have this. Uh, I was going to say it is spelt weird for Orion, but it makes sense. But Orion is a much better pronunciation, I think. Well, it all that. depends. <laughs> uh, if you're from the South, you call me Orn. Orn. Yeah, Orn. Forget the vowels. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, that's why... I go by the name O. What about in Utah? What do they miss in Utah? Is it just kind of blur it all together, Orin? I, I answer by a lot of things, you know, as long as it's not zero. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. <laughs> so uh, Orion is the uh, the owner and proprietor of Pirate O's Market uh, here in the Salt Lake Valley. Probably collectively one of our favorite stores for all of us here on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, it's I think so. It's a fun place to go. For anyone that hasn't been there. Um, you should go there. <laughs> we'll get into that. We'll get into that. <laughs> so he was asking before we, we got started, and I think it's important, uh, how how we found him. Um, because like Jeremy said, it is a, a favorite yeah. store of... So a lot of, a lot of people that we have on the show come to us and want to be on the show. Uh, Julia and I, I, I can't remember. We were doing something. We were out, It was a Friday or Saturday or something. We were out doing something, and we were kind of talking about people that we've had on the show and people that we want to be on the show. And I, somehow the topic came up of, oh, Pirate O's. We should ask somebody at Pirate O's if they want to be on the show because we all love Pirate O's. So we just got in the car, drove to Pirate O's, and I just wandered around and started asking your employees. <laughs> I'm like, we're with a podcast and we'd really like someone to be on our show. And your daughter happened to be the one that I talked to. And at first she was like a little confused. And so I explained a little bit. We're podcasts. We've been on, we've been doing this for almost six years, but we all really like Pirate O's and we'd love to have somebody on and she's like well who do you want on and we're like anybody willing to talk to us you or your dad or or anybody so so she said okay well we'll set something up it was during you were doing inventory i think at the time so she's like we're, we're kind of busy right now so it'll probably be a month or so 
And I said, that is not a problem. <laughs> yeah, we, we booked several months out. So I've been communicating with her and we settled on a date. And Well, Empyrodos has come up on the show many, many times. I talk about you guys all the time. Because of guests <laughs> and just our own experiences. And Well, so so I was just, just before you guys came down, our toxic uh, candies that we did, those actually came from Empyrodos. I forgot about those. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about those. So anyway, that's how, that's how we kind of got you guys to be on the show is it's something that we we wanted to talk about and thought it would be really fun to interview you guys and and talk about pyros and the history and all that fun stuff so anyway when we were little and mom would be away our choice was we could go to church or we could go to pyros with dad <laughs> and we'd always go to pyros with dad <laughs> like not even kidding and then mom would get home and she'd be like did you guys go to Pyrados? Well, seriously, if you have the choice between Pyrados and church, what are you going to choose? Yeah, I don't know. Pyrados, we bring time. our change because we were like nine. We'd bring all of our change out of our piggy bank so we go get a candy. And I don't stuff. know. I don't know what child would choose church over Pyrados. <laughs> <laughs> we always chose Pyrados. So, uh, yeah. So I want to take a step back. We, we, this is the first question we always like to ask our guests, Orion, and uh, that is, what month were you born in? October. October. So is Jeremy. So what? October what? 16th. Ah, Julia is October 15th. I'm uh, October 29th. And the, close. The reason we ask that is because Jeremy likes to tell you what your conception is. in January, is. your parents did something special to bring <laughs> you like about a, in October. Like what was birthday going on in January before you were born? <laughs> Concert. Maybe it was just they were just happy that new the new year started. <laughs> He's, he's, he's never put much thought to this before. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm thinking 52 had to be post-war, yeah. uh, you know, uh, involvement, so baby boomer. I was going to say, yeah. so that everyone was just making babies just because everyone That's, was home. That is 100% like post-war. Everyone was home and happy. Happy 50s lifestyle. Yeah. <laughs> so where were you born? Yokohama, Japan. Oh, that's cool. So I'm assuming, oh. was your dad there for military or? No, my mom was there. Oh, your mom was there. <laughs> so. That's badass. <laughs> was your, your mom was there in the military? No, no. Your mom's they, from? We, were, we were dependent. We were part of the occupation forces in 1952. So and, uh, I know my grandpa was there uh, in Hiroshima as part of the occupation force, like right after, so 47 till about 51, he was stationed over there. Oh, outside of Hiroshima? Yeah, just outside of it. Uh huh. Hmm. Cool. So how did your parents meet, just out of curiosity? Through uh, my dad's sister, and he was overseas, and they had a letter writing program uh, for the uh, GIs, and he was, he was uh, very young, and he was in the military, and he was based in the Philippines, at some point, and uh, she started writing letters to him. And uh, they hadn't met. It was like, a, you know, pre-Facebook kind of. <laughs> the Facebook That's of the time. pre-internet. Yeah. For those for those youngins listening to the show. Pre-computers. Yeah. Writing letters is what people used to do. <laughs> now, now servicemen use Tinder. <laughs> it's a very different experience. There's yeah. not a lot of penmanship that goes into selfies. So they, they you know, they were uh, pen pals for uh, a period of time, an extended period of time. And then they met and, uh, you know, got married. So did he come back here to the States, marry, or did he they get married over there? Or did they get married over there? No, they were, they were married in Louisiana. And then he was stationed back in Japan, and that's where you were born? 
Well, uh, I don't know all the math on that, but uh, <laughs> but eventually we got to Japan in 52. When were they married? Uh, well, they were married before that because I'm the second child. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, so well, they were married. Uh, my daughter, my sister's four years older. So. so was she born there too, or was she born here in the States? No, she's born in the States. Oh, your so, sister's my so mom's So you can age. tell people you're Japanese. Well, <laughs> I mean, he's he, turning Japanese. He, you could, do you have dual citizenship? You certainly I did. I, I did for a period of time. Uh, there, but there was a certain point where you, you, you lose that. There were, I forget the rules that they had, but I've just reapplied for my U.S. passport just yeah. recently, as a matter of fact. You have to keep up on that, otherwise it goes away. Yeah, exactly. So how old were you when you came back to the States? Six weeks old. Oh, oh yeah. So, so you didn't really... So you were born there and then came home. Then we went back. Yeah. So that was fun. I, I have some real childhood memories of, of being in Japan pre, preschool. Oh, wow. You know, we went back and spent uh, a period of time when I was cognizant of, you know, going to movies there, going on walks, throwing rocks at the garbage man, <laughs> <laughs> stuff have, like that. Have you gone back since? Uh, no, I haven't, actually. Really? Really? That's yeah, not even on my bucket list, really. Wow. Well, you've been there, done that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so where was your family from here in the States? Uh, my mom was born in Zion, Arkansas. My dad was born in uh, Heflin, Louisiana. So down south. South. Yeah. Very much down south. Yeah. And is that like when you guys came back, were you, I mean, it sounds, you know, military type stuff. So were you, you know, were you in the south usually when you came back or did you move around quite a bit around the country? Well, we came back uh, several places. I mean, I went to the first grade, part of the first grade in Fort Sill, Oklahoma. We were in Arkansas. We were in California for a while. Um, On the bases, like Fort Ord. Oh yeah, all the you know all the military stops. Um, Fort Sill, Arkansas, back to Germany, uh, or to Germany, back to someplace, Arkansas again. Yeah. And Fort, uh, that was Fort Sell. And no, that was Fort Sell, Oklahoma. Excuse me, Fort Chaffee, excuse me. And, uh, then my, in what was it? Um, Fort Hood, Texas. Mm-hmm. That was the final stop. And we we're in Texas. Uh, so we were living in Colleen, Texas. And that's when we, my mom died in, um, in Texas. And then we ended up in Spokane, Washington. Because, uh, my my mom lived in Spokane for a while when her dad was stationed there. But my mom's your older sister's age. She was born in forty seven. So yep, I'd be exactly right. So is that did your dad retire or had he just had enough? Well, you know, he had two kids. I'm sure by that uh, point, like he's been in the military close? a yeah, long time. Point, wasn't he getting close to putting in his time and retiring? Well, more importantly, Vietnam was uh, was churning up, and he. Uh, did the math and he had <laughs> get, out, get out now and uh, he had the 21 years 20 years and uh, he got out uh, i guess it was like 68 Ooh, just in time just yeah in time. just as it was really steaming and so um he got out and he became a baptist minister oh wow chris almost became a baptist minister <laughs> that's true very true i cannot see that you know, <laughs> a story for a different day so so at that point, did you put roots down in Spokane? Is that where they, your family kind of landed at that point? Well, he was a minister. He got a, um, a church up there, what do they call them? Um, anyway, a ministry there. And I, uh, he, uh, I don't think he was a very good preacher. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he, he, he really liked people. He was very uh, helpful to everybody. Uh, but... 
he didn't have the fire and brimstone and he didn't have the cool smoothness of some of the people that needed to, you know, Baptist churches are funny. Yes, you know, it's, are. it's, it's, you know, you know, we think Mormons are strict, but, uh, they don't know, they don't know Baptist. <laughs> I, I'm not, like I say it all the time. Footloose was about Baptists. Oh yeah. That was, sure. oh, no, no that question was, about that it. was Baptist teachings. Oh yeah, absolutely. You couldn't dance. That's, that's, that's Baptist for sure. That's, uh, I mean, that's just wild. <laughs> so, so where did you go to high school then? Was that in Washington? I went to ninth grade at uh, Lewis and Clark in Washington. And, of course, my dad moves across town. <laughs> and one I, more move. One just more to move just to, just to get me. Just to just start high school. And, and, and then uh, North Central. Then I went to North Central across town. And then uh, he got remarried. And uh, married a gal from Boise, Idaho. Ah. And I finished high school at uh, William H. Bora High School in Boise, Idaho, <laughs> 11th and 12th year grade. The second time I went to the same school at twice in the same year. <laughs> <laughs> so then you graduate high school. Then what's next? He can't remember. <laughs> the seventies. <laughs> so college, career. Uh, yeah, yeah. Boise State. I went to I went to the local school, and all my buddies went to Moscow and went to the University of Idaho. Not all of them, but my good several of my good friends, and we kind of broke up our groups. And uh, so uh, I, I I milled around and went to Boise State College. Boy, no, it was Boise Community. No, it was Boise State College when I started, and when I finished in seventy five. It was the Boise State University, and I, I used to laugh. It was uh, we were the first graduating class of Boise State University. Oh wow! Mm-hmm. And um, I, you know, bright sunshine university. I used to call it. <laughs> so my family, most of my family is from Pocatello, so my parents, well, graduated initially from ISU, and when my dad went on to get a master's degree, but yeah, so they went to ISU. So. Boise was the rival. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, no doubt. And, 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 and just, you know, they went from being a community college to a state college to a university. And, and they've done well. I mean, they've, mm-hmm. they've, Boise's done well. Boy. Yeah, they have for sure. Yeah. For so sure. what did you study? I started off as a marketing major. Okay. But there was a really cute girl in accounting. <laughs> and she thought I was smart. And she needed help in accounting. <laughs> so, took so, you switched. <laughs> so I helped her. <laughs> so that was a class I spent the most time in. And plus, marketing had been – I had a really good marketing instructor in high school, a guy named Jim Rambo. And um, he taught uh, business, uh, uh, general business marketing and really did good. And when I got to college, I really didn't need the marketing classes. We were, we had studied out of the junior, the book they were using as a, as in, in the, what would be a junior uh, level class. And we'd done that. And we'd done a whole bunch of business stuff. And the marketing was not, it was just, wasn't, you know, it was already, it was already in me. And, uh, and accounting was uh, a lot of fun, especially with the gal that really liked me. <laughs> and, um, you know, so that worked out pretty good. Did, did the gal work out for you? Uh, no, she got... <laughs> she, <laughs> yeah, she was um, uh, She was too good looking for me. That happens. That yeah, happens. She, was, she was a really t- nice person. Though. I think most of us guys have been there at one time or another. I'm still there. My wife's been <laughs> <Yeah>. there. <laughs> so what... What brings you to, to Utah? How do you get to Utah? Well, uh, that's part of the evils of hitchhiking. 
<laughs> back when that was okay. Well, yeah, back when back uh, before the hitchhiker was going to kill you or the driver was going to kill the hitchhiker. Either way, I never heard of that. But <laughs> <laughs> remember, this is still the time frame where like people let grown men sleep with their daughters in their homes. Yeah, you know, yeah. like that's. That's a whole other story. He's that's, got some faces going on right now. Yeah, I don't think that, that's, he's talking about Bundy. No. Or not Bundy. What's his name? I don't know. I can't remember. Some, some creepy guy Ted we Bundy? talked about. No. no yeah. He's but, creepy too. But there was some guy we watched there some was, documentary on. The, what the taken in plain sight or something like that? Yes. About some girl that was like kidnapped by some guy. Anyway, he's making a reference to something that uh, people it was a, I'm seen. just saying it was a different time different in the time. 70s and 80s. Well, people because didn't worry about you, you hadn't heard killers. about serial killers. You hadn't heard about all of this stuff and there wasn't social media passing around. You also thought serial killers were only creepy looking dudes from truck stops. Yeah. Yeah. It was in a more innocent age. Yeah. So you hitchhiked your way to Utah? How's that? You, hit, you hitchhiked, hitchhiked your way, way to Utah? No, no, no. I was just passing through. I I uh, was standing outside uh, on I, the interstate there, uh, coming down out of Twin Falls, Idaho, mm-hmm. right there on the interstate where they uh, come down out of Sun Valley. Mm-hmm. And I was I had to get to Iowa. I was heading to Iowa for the Iowa State Fair. And... Um, Little backstory there, but I was I was actually going to Iowa, and I was sitting out there. I had a 27 inch waistline, had my shirt off, and I sent, said to myself, "There ought to be some pretty girls coming down from <laughs> from Sun Valley." And sure enough, this um, curly headed girl stops in a BMW 2002. Wow! Girls up, picks me up, takes me to um, to uh, as, uh, Salt Lake here in Salt Lake. Yeah, because it's a natural place because you need to hop on I-80 to get over to Iowa. Well, that and, uh, you know, I had a couple of days respite here and uh, she dropped me off at uh, Plaza Billiards on 39th South (laughs) and 9th uh, 9th East. And uh, I I said a couple of days later, I said, Tally Ho. And and I there was a the backstory is I was playing foosball and I was traveling. I was trying to get to Iowa. I needed to get to Iowa to connect with the East Coast guys. Because my cars had died, or which I can't remember which car it had died at that point. But once I got to Iowa, I was able to hook up with some guys for the East Coast tour and get in vans and drive to New York and play foosball for a living. That's foosball, really. <laughs> Who knew? That's that's awesome. Not that's me. great. That's great. You could do that for a living potentially. I did it for a year, for a solid year, and I, you know, I was twenty five, and that's old for a foosball player back in those days. <laughs> <laughs> it was <laughs> you know and so anyway that's how i got to utah I, I i stayed in touch and the gal's name uh was jude rubidoux i still know her i just talked to her a couple of days ago as a matter i hadn't talked to her in 30 years and wow. just talked to her the other day and uh she was very charismatic and and i had this degree in accounting that i had used uh, and um she she had this business in salt lake and I, I, when my career was ending, I was over in Portland and I sent her a resume. She called me and said, Hey, and so I packed it up and drove down here. So what was, what was the business? It was uh, out of the same building you found us in. Oh, so the Byrdos building? The building. It was, wow. it was called Ochre Distributing at that point. And it had started by Jude Rubidoux and a couple of her partners in 1976. And I came along in 78. So what what did they do? What distributing did they? Natural foods. 
There were importers, <laughs> exporters. See, know. this is all starting to come together. <laughs> yeah. So, well, natural foods. It was uh, natural foods uh, distribution, and natural foods was just kicking in pretty strong. Uh, it was uh, consolidating, and we, uh, you know, and I had, I had to do some, you know, we 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 didn't ran it well. I stayed with it ten years. You know, we were we you know made that business run and, and grew it in a really fun fashion, and you know, it just. It was the distribution's a little different than retail, right? So then, how did you end up with Pirateos? How do we get to Pirateos? <laughs> <laughs> well, I told you the hitchhiking story. <laughs> well, well, like every you know connection, it's it's really funny um, coming over here, thinking about uh, you know how when you're young things just come, they just come your way. This is what you do. You don't even plan stuff, and it just arrives. And during the whole time I was in wholesale, retail looked like the easy part of the part of the deal. You know, it looked like, you know, they had all the power. I was in wholesale calling on, uh, you know, I'll have to go back. Well, and, and you know, that lasted till 88. And I had like five partners in that business at that point, five or six partners. That's for the size of the business and the volume and the profit it was kicking out. That was very too much, too many people to chop it up with. Um, and. I don't know what the reasoning was, but we we came up on um, uh, there was another uh, distribution operation here in Salt Lake called uh, Fancy Food Distribution. Fancy Food it was uh, down and being run. Another story, but it was bought out by a company called McLean, which was the largest candy, tobacco, cigarette huh. distribution company in the world, and they still are. Actually, owned by Warren Buffett now. But they were they were owned by Drayton McLean, and he came along, and his guys saw us, and they were they tried to buy stuff from us, and they were trying to redistribute, because in those days we had some exclusivity in in what we bought, um, and 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 that doesn't happen that much anymore, but that exclusivity caused them to um, you know us to give have a, a relationship, and um, so eventually I sold that business to them and went to work for them, and so. Um, you know, and I went to work for them and ended up running their operation uh-huh. for eight years. And that was inside McLean. But about four years in, was no, three years in, Drayton ends up selling the whole kit and caboodle to Walmart. Oh, huh. Interesting. So Walmart buys McLean and, um, to, to create their own. Well, Walmart had a reason. There, were the, there was a lot of synergies between the, the work the work ethic of McLean and work ethic of Walmart. You know, the work ethic of Walmart is still, you know, incredible. I will tell you, I worked inside their businesses for four and a half years inside the Bentonville offices. You know, not and I worked with them. I, I called on them yeah. inside the offices, not just in the lobbies. And their work ethic is amazing. It's just I don't know how they get that out of their people. Um, and it's just uh, so McLean was the same way. We were, you know, seven to six every day, half day on Saturdays, and it was just a cult of people that worked hard huh. and got a lot done. They grew from two and a half billion to nine billion uh, when Walmart bought them. Wow. And so that's who I sold off to and then went to work for. And then they, then they kind of, you can imagine my look on my face. Drayton looked right at me when I, when I, when they said, announced that big room. And, uh, cause he knew I was screwed. 
you know, hi, hi, Mr. Smith. I'm from Walmart. Do you want to buy specialty foods from? (laughs) 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 And some of the people lasted, but, you know, your competition fell on that pretty quickly. Why are you buying from Walmart? You know, you know, Walmart and, uh, you know, retailers in those days used to share milk plants and ice cream plants, but they didn't have to share people. Right. But when Walmart, you know, raided Albertsons in Texas for, you know, 130 people. Yep. You know, oh, wow. and, yeah. uh, it creates animosity. Uh, they did, they did a lot of that in the, in the eighties and nineties as they were growing. Yeah, sure. They'd, Acquiring uh, people was the name. Come, of the they'd come into town. They'd, they'd pay better wages in the grocery stores for a shut better, everybody else shut down. everyone else down. And that's very, that happened in my hometown. So. Yeah. And they, they were good at it. Yeah. That's why they became the giants that they did. And buying big companies like that. I mean, that's a big part of their, their business model, creating a, a, a giant distribution network and being in a position to demand, you know, the prices that they want on things. So, And demand it the other way. Yeah. Like, you know, demand from the retail, not the re- not the consumer. But the wholesalers. But no, the demand from the manufacturer mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and say, look, uh, we bought, you know, 16 million of these last year. Next year we're buying 22 million of these, but we want a better price. Yep. And the people could go on, okay, and they didn't want to lose that $16 million, so they found a way to get them a better price. Walmart's the only company I've ever worked with that would take a product and say, how cheap can we sell this? How can how cheap can we sell this? You know, you go call on Smith's in the, in the day, and you would, they would say, well, how much can I make on this? Right. That's how most people... I mean, that's how you look at it. Right. And Walmart's mindset was how, how, how can they cut cost out of that product and, and, and then have that to the consumer? Cause it's all volume. Well, that and good negotiating, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know. So, so how do you get into, you know, you've, you've done, I mean, insane business. It sounds like for years. How do you get to a point where you end up buying a building that you started working in and, and opening your own? Uh, local food store. Get fired. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, realistically, it's just you lost your job. And well, I told you something. that you know yeah. the, the situation was it didn't take long uh, from the time that Walmart made our acquisition that you know it was clear that you know we're, the doors were shut for us to expand that division of of what I was doing. I had taken the division, or you know, from about a hundred one. What seventeen million, and we had taken it to about one hundred and thirty million. Wow, that's impressive. That was fun, but we had a lot of that was help with Walmart and the guys with me, and and just the capital we we had to, to do that, and it was fun driving the bus, you know, and and seeing all those changes. But once we got into the that mark, uh, they sold us to a competitor, um, a company called Tree of Life, uh, which was a bolt was on a company, which is a Dutch company out of Amsterdam. It's a five hundred year old company. Oh, wow. And uh, I will tell you, if you ever heard the word about corporate culture, uh-huh. it's real. <laughs> <laughs> and it's very real. And so that corporate culture with McLean was more militaristic. If the guy underneath you made a mistake, it was your mistake. Whereas with the Dutch, uh, their their idea of fixing something was, well, we have a problem with Orion over here. Well, here's our new solution, Bob. 
<laughs> so I was uh, I was somebody else's solution, and, and gotcha. somebody you know, and it's and these guys are gone, they're actually gone. They're actually out of the country. Well, their operation was so corrupt and bad and, and badly managed that eventually they just uh, they they imploded with the bad bad deals and stuff that they made. You know, and they were a multi billion dollar company too, and they just imploded. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah, not really. <laughs> didn't sound like a fun company to work for no it was a, it was a like i say very uh i can go i got story after story of how silly they are um you know you'd go to a, like a mclean we'd fly in for a meeting and we'd start at six thirty, seven in the morning have you know be done we'd be at our at our meeting at 7 a.m and it would we'd have a break or lunch and then we'd go back at it and and we'd go till six these guys eh, maybe start around 10 uh, oh, let's go to let's play golf this afternoon. <laughs> yeah, it would take literally six days to do a two day meeting with those guys. Wow, that's, so that's it, was, wild. It, it was it was wild. It was, and then there was other, you know. So anyway, that that collapsed on me, and and uh, I had always had in the back of my mind uh, a retail op- a operation, and uh, so you know that we and we'd end up owning the building after the sale of the. Uh, uh, the sale of the business, uh, we ended up owning the. They didn't need a. Oh, so uh, you you they, ended up with the building. Yeah, uh, myself and a, uh, one other partner. Mm-hmm. So then, you got this building. How do you transition it? I mean, well, for seven eight years, uh, I well eight years I rented it. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, just out to other people. Yeah. We rented it and just, it was vacant. And like say, then and so then when the, uh, my, my time in the big leagues, uh, you know, ended uh-huh. and I had to go back to the miners. Right. So, uh, th- then I had the building. I, I, I arranged to get the building back and, and, um, actually we were, we had sold the business, a, por- a portion of the business I'd sold, uh, from o- Ochre. I'd sold and left, uh, pulled back a small piece of it because I knew that for instinctively, I knew McLean would not be able to handle this piece of the business. It was a small business called frozen yogurt. Uh-huh. It was a frozen yogurt. It was actually named by the president of the Houston Astros. He was an attorney. Hmm. He was in town for the closing. And he goes, what are we going to call this Froyo business? <laughs> <laughs> and he called, we named it Froyo on the, on the way out. stuck. Yeah, out the door. And so that, that guy, we sold that to some friend, to some couple of lawyers. And, uh, and it was run by some people we knew, still know. And eight years later, I came and bought it back and, and, and created uh, kind of, kind of, uh, you know, use that as the uh, launching pad for Pyrodos, which is a good thing we did because, you know, I, I told you about the difference in wholesale and retail. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, and I, I, I'll tell you the art an oxymoron I learned about retail. To be successful at retail, you have to be extremely intelligent. To get into it, you have to be dumb as a brick. <laughs> that's, that's true. And so we stumbled, I stumbled in, in what I thought, I thought I had a leg up because of the connections in the industry and, and well, maybe, yeah, just off your story, it sounds like you were connected to, to naturally transition into it. Right. But retail is just, you know, retail is a different animal, you know, and so it took us a, quite a while to figure the game out. So, so how did you come up with the name Pirate O's? You've heard of Trader Joe's. Trader Joe's, yeah. Well, back in the day, remember the girl Jude Rubidoux that picked me up? Uh-huh. Okay. Well, she came up from Southern California. In Southern California that day, they had approximately 
16 Trader Joe's was the total number they had back in 1978, maybe 14 or 16, because it had started out of the Pronto convenience stores. And uh, they came in there and they just, and she was familiar with them. And she wanted years ago to, I mean, back, back in 78, her idea was to make that building into a Trader Joe's type building or into that kind of concept. And, um, it just never materialized uh-huh. back in those days, financially or otherwise. And so it just kind of, so we wanted, we had to name it something. Right. And we, and, and it was, and everything we did was based off of Trader Joe's. I mean, I went down to Trader Joe's and I see I had called on Trader Joe's too. I met Joe Cologne one time. I had called on uh, Shields and a guy named Bob Johnson, the buyers, and uh-huh. we used to sell them product. So I'd, I had sold them product and knew who they were at that point. And in the McLean age. And um, so um, we'd gotten, you know, gotten very familiar, copied even the check stand setup. If you were familiar with Trader Joe's, mm-hmm. their check stand setup as we yeah. have it set up right now was their check stand set, set up back in 1978. I was going to say, now that you've now that you say that and I think about it, I, I can see it now. A lot of, of similarities to Trader Joe's. So that's cool. Exactly. Yeah, that's so. Well, I mean, was your goal to kind of do a lot of what they were doing? I, I watched a, a a shortish documentary on Trader Joe's and like their honestly, their brilliant marketing genius that they have. It, it's it's insane the way they do their packaging and stuff. And you know, I know you have some products that are are self labeled, um, but clearly not the breath that they do. <laughs> oh no, and, and and they didn't early on either. Yeah. I mean, back in 78 or not 78, yeah, 78, 79. I mean, they were, you know, uh, you know, weren't the behemoth. They would have branded merchandise in there and um you know, they they just have uh, well their products um and their 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 theme and their their marketing is just is unbeatable. I think they're the third largest grocery chain in the United States. Yeah, it's it's wild cuz like they they give people the impression that they're these wholesome whole foods small town yeah like mom and pop but they're not i mean the stuff that they sell is not that it's just marketed that way and it's it's wildly successful it's unreal so so when you when you start pirados you're patterning it after trader joe's how did you decide what you wanted to sell was it just things that you had worked with you know what was what was the decision question good very good question we started um we started with what we knew, of course, and what we could buy. And we tried to be a Trader Joe's, a value-priced gourmet house. In other words, we would buy stuff directly from the manufacturer. So I had the relationship in the wholesale business, as you mentioned. So I would buy pallet quantities, and I would try to take the cost down and buy it direct from the manufacturer, eliminate the distributor, take 25% off the cost, and take that product and sell it at a 25% markup like Trader Joe's was doing. Mm-hmm. But this is 1978, the 19, so 1988 Utah. And people weren't aware. We would have artichokes for $1.39, but they didn't know the price of an artichoke. Right. They didn't know that this polenta was regularly $4.99, but it's on our shelf for three so they didn't see, they had no, I, first thing I learned in retail was people really don't know their prices. Right. Well, then people in Utah are notoriously cheap. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't think so. Uh, uh, I think they, 
they value, you know, I think anybody in that situation in the suburbs with where we were, um, in, in, in considering Draper in, in 1997 was not the Draper is today. Oh, yeah. It, it exploded in the early 2000s. And same with Utah. I mean, Utah is, uh, is certainly not the same. So, you know, looking back, it was, you know, where we put it, the type of customer we had at the time, and the lack of, I mean, the products we had weren't familiar to them. Um, and the expectation was that this is just expensive. This is, this, they didn't know what it was, so it was, it just seemed expensive. So they didn't know the price of olive oil. They didn't know the price of balsamic vinegar. And we just, we, you know, so event really quickly, eight to 10 months into the project, we realized this and we, we gourmetized it, you know, raised the prices, you know, got the price points we needed and then, you know, just held on. Yeah, right. you know, held on for years and uh, just kept churning uh, for years and years and years. And we opened a second store sometime around 2002, 2003. We, that was a store that was kind of handed to us up in the holiday. And then we closed it two and a half, three years later. I was going to say, I didn't know you had a second store, but that would be why. Right. And it, but it taught us a lot, taught us a lot about our layout and why it worked and why it didn't work. And it got some business. Actually, it was when we, after we shut that second store down that we, I think it was eight years in that we finally saw profitability in the off season, what I call the off season, because we would make enough money at Christmas to bring us back to even. Well, I know for years that's where my wife would go to get stocking stuffers because of the unique things, like specifically the monster candy canes that you guys have and then the just the different packaged, prepackaged gift type thing. So I know my wife uh, goes there every year at Christmas time because of the unique stuff. So that makes sense that that would be your your bigger selling season. Oh, sure. Every, every retailer is that way, however. I mean, you know, for the most... That every, dang every turkey retailer. and Christmas tree butter. Oh, yeah. We always get our butter. Oh, now, there. wait. You got to get your bunny butter this year. We got... Oh, you got bunny, bunny butter? butter this year. For, uh, for so Easter, we got, we got bunny butter. Now, this is our third or fourth time to try bunny butter, but it turns out that Easter, they, uh, they used to have lamb butter, lamb shake butter. That didn't work. And <laughs> Nobody wants to cut the lamb uh, That's what I was thinking. <laughs> and, you know, and, but but we, you're okay with cutting a bunny? Well, yeah. Well, no, yeah. Because it's no not as realistic, that. I'm sure. Well, you're Does eating, it look like a cute little bunny? Yeah, but you're like a cartoon bunny? But you're eating, no, you're no, eating the real chocolate bunny. bunnies, so kids are used to... I don't know. No one thinks about the lambs Maybe. on Easter. No one thinks about the lamb on Easter. Just Everybody no thinks about, about Jesus. the lamb. It's exactly what it's about. <laughs> it's not about Jesus, it's about bunnies. So, so when did you start transitioning, or did you always have like the unique candies and the unique... Uh, like the, the bug candies. And so you've got that when you first walk in, those who, everybody who's listening to this needs to go. You first walk in, you turn right, and there is the, this first aisle of just unique, somewhat, well, some of it's very nostalgic, but unique candies that you haven't seen forever. That is it the Nesco wafer candies and Neko. the, what's yeah. that? Neko? Neko. Neko. Yeah, so, because they're my favorite candy. Well, maybe but, not my favorite. But, but you know, they're one I mean, of my favorites. To find a place that actually has them though is awesome. So when did you start putting all of that stuff out? Well, uh, survival, let's see. Uh, candy. Um 
Well, with Germans, uh, Mariana Young uh, from Mariani's Delicatessen, downtown, 40 years in business. She was here in Salt Lake. Your parents would know about them or anybody uh, who had been in Salt Lake for a period of time. But Mariani's Delicatessen, I think it was on like North Temple, not South Temple. And uh, she was there for 40 years, her and her husband Horst. And they had actually were uh, the people that uh, started uh, Oktoberfest at Snowbird. Oh, oh nice. Wow. And they started that. And uh, very fun story. She just died recently. But she had moved to – we had opened the store in 97, and she had closed her store back in 99, sold it, and um, then had moved out to Draper and uh, – was and you know and found us and came in and and her husband had died to, uh, almost immediately upon moving to Draper and uh, Draper has a tendency of doing uh, that yes, to people. I, and, anyway, uh, <laughs> what uh, she but she came in and spent some time talking to us and and gave me the vendors I needed to to supply the German population. And prior to that, some Dutch people had found us and said, you need this. So we'd gotten some Dutch stuff. And then the German thing came along with some, a lot of German candies. So that was the first, you know, we had candies to some degree. We had, we bought, we, we still buy from, from Lent, Lent chocolate. Right. In those days, Lent, we were pretty much exclusive, uh, to Lent, not exclusive, but we were deep and the supermarkets didn't have it yet. Right. And, uh, you know, you couldn't buy land at Walmart or Target or any of those stores. And that was changing, of course. And uh, so we we had land. We had a lot of high, you know, chocolate like that. And that was the German population that would buy that. And uh, and candies just came along. And then candy, you know, just kept growing. Then we then the then the Brits found us. And we started doing British stuff. And the Brits had love candy. Yeah. So, yeah, when you go down the aisles, you've got a German section. The Dutch section, the English section, with stuff, some of the stuff I'd, I've... Jeremy really only goes up for candy. I just want you to know. Which <laughs> is weird because he doesn't like sweets. It's Well, it's, the thing is, is some of those sweets aren't, like, American sweets. Yeah. They're, they're, they're much There's more... nothing like American sweets. Yeah, American sweets are over the top. But some of those are, they're, they're really not sweet at all, so I really like them because I'm not a, a big sweets person. I, lo- I like going up and down the aisles because there's stuff I've, I don't even know what it is. I've never even seen it before. So how, that's what's cool about it. How did you decide to do a pasta room? Oh, yeah, your pasta room. Oh, uh, let's see. What was his name? Uh, back for the – I had the connection. Um, and and uh, I can't think of the Italian guy's name. I should know it. I've known him for forever. And uh, I haven't seen him for a while. used to see him at shows. And – um, when I was with McLean, we would buy pasta from this guy, and he's a young guy, young Italian guy. And when you bring a pasta, we would ship to from uh, Salt Lake to Portland, and then we'd load trucks up in Seattle with with containers coming uh, pasta coming back from Seattle to get a backhaul from the from the coast. We'd have those containers go in there. And Sergio Massa, that was his name, and uh, so Sergio. Uh, he had a connection with Trader Joe's too. He was providing them with Don Pepe's uh, pasta for a long, long time. That was the Trader Joe brand. And uh, so Sergio, we'd bring these. So when containers come in, they like a truck and a half of pasta because it's all packed floor to ceiling, and they put it on trucks, they put it on pallets, and so you got a truck and a half of pasta. But so, so as I was receiving the pasta, the POs didn't match up. So fifteen or so containers would come in, and and he'd never get a check from McLean. 
and McLean pays their bills, but they have to match the bills up to the receivings. So I get a call from Sergio, Orion, <laughs> send me some money. <laughs> so I go down and tell uh, my, my accountant, you know, hey, you know, send him some money. So when, when we went on our own, I ordered my first deal is I ordered a container of pasta. Man, we're gonna we're gonna make it rich in pasta. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot yeah. of pasta. We had a lot of pasta. Good thing that has a code date forever. Yeah. You know, and we I think we finally it took us years and years to get through some of the the pieces of that product. That's funny. Yeah. So you've expanded over the years because the pasta room didn't used to be part of the store, right? That's right. And yeah. then even even more recently, the very back half. Wasn't part of the store. I mean, the build, it's already been, it's always been there, right? Or have you actually added No, no, no. It's all, all, all inside the framework of the same structure. Just you've opened things up to expand the store part of it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We, we rented a warehouse and, and decided that we needed, you know, we could use that space more effectively. So that was just all storage at one yeah, point. Eventually in time. we just grew the retail, uh, you know, even to the thinking that we want to add. To the you know to the east side to add more square yeah. footage. So when did you get into like the hot sauces? So they've got this really cool wall. Once again, everybody, you need to go there. They've got this really cool wall with like all the crazy hot sauces and Tabascos and like the the crazy crazy hot stuff. When did you get into all of that? Well, my wife and I were in Jackson Hole, uh, Wyoming, and we were going through a store there, and we ran into this. Uh, a little store, and they had in the back there on the shelves, they had this thing called Kick Ass. Oh yeah. And we asked the guy about it. He said, oh, yeah, it's one of our best sellers. So we went back and got some of that, started with Kick-Ass, and then we started, you know, wherever we saw another hot sauce, we added it, and where we saw another one, we added it. And we we built that uh, wall, um, and then much to my wife's surprise, I built that wall. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, necessity. And we built that in and there and, and then started put, filling it with hot sauces. And, and it's been a good craze, it's been a really good craze. And as you know, there's uh, the, the, the hot wings and, uh-huh. you know, been you know producing a lot of stuff. So people would be collecting hot sauces and come in. And, and we still are buying new ones all the time. I know. Was it last Christmas, Julie, or the one before where you bought Brighton the big hot sauce? Oh, it was Valentine's. Well, last Valentine's. Year. So the the big hot sauce um, gift bag, gift basket that you guys had. Uh, Julia's boyfriend Brighton loves the hot sauces. The hotter the better. So she got one of those there. And then I got for him about a year and a half ago the hottest one that you've got that was in the tiny little bottle. That one wasn't hot enough for him. The so. atomic something or other. Yeah, so you got to get something hotter. Cause. Well, we you must have missed out because we have one that's two hundred dollars. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you tried that one. Seven point five million scovies. Not the one in the locked case. Yeah, we we could have sold it last Christmas. We couldn't find the key. Oh. <laughs> that sucks. We 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 finally found the key, but we only sold four or five. Of so them. that so so. That one or one very similar to it, Brighton got and brought it to one of our barbecues last summer, and some of the younger kids. So most most all of our group have kids that are teenage through early twenties, but there was a handful of the kids that were going to be macho and try it, and they they took a little bit and put it on a toothpick. And one of the boys was that his mom had to take he him home. He was miserable. Oh. He was so miserable. <laughs> he wasn't a small child. He's a teenager. He's like sixteen. Yeah, well, he graduates from high school this year, so not a yeah. little kid. We're not letting little kids eat it, but oh no. But we, yeah. So that that's amazing. And then let's talk about your uh, refrigerated section, the cheese room, the cheese room. Uh, 
when has that been there kind of from the beginning? Has that cold yeah. room always been there? And how, how do you choose what goes in there? Cause you've got drinks, beers, cheese, but there's different meats. And where does that stuff come from? Well, the salami was one of the ones that Mariana Young, she gave us the, the, the tip on where to go to get, uh, you know, uh, you know, Germans, uh, uh, meat products. And it's from a third generation, uh, uh, German factory out of Orange, California. Mm-hmm. Really, really good folks and young guys. And, uh, they, uh, they pr- produce this salami, which is one of our best selling products. And, uh, this salami is great. If you never tried the salami, if you like salami at all, this is, this is worth having. And, you know, with the bratwurst, they're great. I mean, you know, just, uh, and they, you know, we've got, um, we have bockwurst and bratwurst, so you can get the white sausage in here. You can get the bratwurst, the traditional German. And, and so we've had those for years and years. And that German trade, uh, you know, they, they liverwurst and teawurst, uh, and also blood sausage and head cheese and, uh, those, those, uh, Jägerwurst. So those do really, really well and they drive the German business. And I'm really excited. Uh, I spent the whole weekend actually working on the German business. We found a, we finally connected with a, a, a mystery German supplier that we haven't had for year forever, huh. and, and it's filling in a lot of gaps that we've had. So we're going to be able to really satisfy I, that customer. I got a question. Do you really sell a lot of head cheese? Yeah, I mean it's enough to keep it around. We, you know, have you had head cheese yourself? <laughs> You know, I'll tell you the truth. <laughs> no. Yeah, I, <laughs> don't. I can't bring myself to like really for, eat it. For like, you youngins out there, it's not cheese. So it's <laughs> no, and it is actually made out of the head of a pig. Like to be fair, like the cheeks and, and stuff is good meat. It's high quality meat. Basically what they do, for those of you that don't know what head cheese is, they take all the meat off of the face of or that head of a of a pig and they cook it. And then they mix it with basically gelatin, and they make a loaf of <laughs> gelatin and meat pieces. And you can see them all because the gelatin is it's clear. just gelatin. It's so just clear, clear gelatin, and then you slice it and eat it. And I, I don't get it. So they have a fairly large German population that comes to your store, like people living in Salt Lake that are German and... Is that who's buying a lot of that? Because oh yeah, your average person's not going to buy head cheese from a specialty store. <laughs> well, no, you're not. See, you got to understand marketing. Yeah, because October rolls around, and you know, back oh. in, back in the day, they used to have this thing show called Fear Factor. Oh yeah. So mm-hmm. periodically, people more than periodic people come in and go, "Wow, I need something for Fear Factor." <laughs> I got something for you. <laughs> so what, what's what's what would you say is the most unique? item that you guys carry oh man if people ask me that oh, more than once or twice and i really don't have a have an answer you, go, you know you go back four years in our store and i would have told you what people what have, and if you'd asked me the question what do people come into pyrodos for i would have answered that one thing and and i would have answered that one thing and and they would have come in, find that one thing, pick a lizard lips or whatever they were looking for. If they found it, then they relax and shop the rest of the store. If not, they go continue on their search for the, whatever they were looking for. And that was so key to what we had forever and ever. They'd come in for that one thing. And, um, 
it changed about before the pandemic, just before the pandemic in January. I looked at the customer coming into the store and getting a basket and shopping. And it, and this is just a, a, a new aberration just in the last two years. And now they just come in and buy, grab a shopping cart and start shopping and buying things. And as far as what's the most unique item, man, <laughs> uh, you know, we just have so many good things. Uh, like tomorrow we're going to have uh, Wonder Bars back in stock for the Ooh. first time. Have you had one of those? I have not had a oh, those one. They're good. They're Canadian. And, we're, and also the Canadian border is really hard to get stuff through. All of a sudden it's nuts. Yeah. Do you guys have ketchup chips? Oh, they're coming. They're coming. I just, I mean, I, we got them. They're our best selling. Well, we call them tomato chips. They're, they're gross. Tom, they're, they're, they're not, great. okay. They're not gross. They're just not great. They're all dressed. That's that because Canada you does, don't though. like ketchup and tomatoes. I do. When we I were in Canada ketchup. for our cruise. The all dressed chips, though. All dressed chips. That's my favorite chip. Like, it's not even close. That's Canada's other favorite chip. It's like the, the it's it's along the lines of the ketchup. It's vinegar and and spices and that it's a like Canadian a thing. We vinegar we, barbecue potato chips. Yeah, chip. basically. Hmm. Those are good. But the well, ketchup tom- chips are really popular in Canada now. Well, the tomatoes are best sellers. I mean, just I don't yeah. care what they taste like. Hey, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if it sells, who cares what it tastes it's, like? It's not not important. We we're into gotcha taste. I mean, I uh, we are. That's. That's our whole gig. If it doesn't, if it, somebody says, "Oh, it's kind of good," it's not kind of. I don't cut it. You know, and people say, "Do you have anything health food?" Cheese. <laughs> Everything's healthy to some degree. Yeah. You know, it depends how hungry you are. Um, Pasta's healthy at times. <laughs> when I was little, all I wanted was that giant cracker. Oh yeah, so you know the huge oh, crackers yeah, yeah, you got yeah, in the back corner. Yeah. So. When we these guys make, were younger, they always church, so, we one thing. so for Christmas one year, we got them the giant cracker and they had a couple bites of it and didn't want it because it's just, just going to be like a giant cheese it or something. <laughs> no, it's just a regular cracker. <laughs> well, and they're wheat, aren't they? They're big, like wheat type crackers. Oh, you're saying the round ones? The so massive sandwich? one, like the size yeah, of the, a pizza. The big round ones that you've got the big. Well, there's two kinds. There's a, there's a uh, Siljans, which is more of a. Uh, what do you call it? It's a Dutch type thing. It's a, and it's a break off, more like I'm eating a, uh, a wheat biscuit, uh, like a, mm-hmm. one of those, a wheat like a shredded wheat thing? Yeah, like that. And then the other one is a lavash. It's more of a cracker bread. That's, that's probably what that's it was. That's probably a lavash. Yeah. Big white one. Yeah. And, uh, nah, those are, those are good. I don't know. It's all a matter of. It wasn't a cheese it though. <laughs> yeah, you gotta understand they're children. Like we were like ten, so like. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, they kept asking for it, so we got them for him for Christmas. We got them all one of the huge crackers. Well, if we got to get one treat there, we wanted the biggest treat. Yeah, that's, that's right. right. <laughs> so my my son did ask when I told him you guys were, you were going to be on the show. He did ask why don't you have the candy cigarettes anymore? We do. Oh, you've got them back in. Oh, well, people yell at us for them, but we we still have them. <laughs> You know, Who wants to eat those though? No, they're, they're so good. good. Are they the ones that smoke? The the like candy chalk stuff. Yeah, they're not. I don't think there's. We used to have the gum ones. We had the gum ones. And we had mm-hmm. the chalk ones, and we had the chocolate ones. Gum. Maybe chalk. I could do the chocolate one, but the the minty ones are just that oh, is so way good. too much mint. <laughs> they're so You're good. supposed to smoke them. <laughs> yeah, I remember as a kid doing like okay. Honestly, let's go back though. Like in the eighties, who. 
What a great, what a great idea! Like, let's market the <laughs> well, same thing that all the parents are doing. Because back kids. then you had cigarettes in a vending machine. Yeah. So why not have the candy cigarettes next to it? All the kids are going to want that. Oh, that's just brilliant! I remember brilliant. as a kid going to the going to the the convenience store and buying the candy cigarettes. I thought oh, they were. Do awesome. you remember there was that store by by uh, Valley that had them? Yeah, that that weird little. I don't. There's wanna... still that Randy's market. Randy's still market. there. It's still there. I don't know if they still sell those, oh, but we get nice. the wax. Coke bottle Ugh, thing. Yeah, I don't know how that. Guy, I don't know how that business is still. Open. I don't know either. Most people don't but even know it's there. Also, there is the root beer store on State Street, but I don't know how the hell they're open. Like they literally just sell root beer. I'm pretty sure it's a drug front. <laughs> <laughs> I love the store though because they have hundreds of different root beers. It's an amazing specialty store. So, what what things do you see turn over the quickest? Like, do you have certain things that are always flying off the shelf, or is it a pretty even? Right now, it's nuts. Uh, it's been uh, it's been crazy. But candy, the whole candy section, the candy always the, does the, really the, well. The British candy, we're doing really well with. And, you guys sell Violet Crunch, German candy, any kind of candy. We we've got vendors. Uh, we've we've created some good relationships with vendors in the candy cat category, and that's been really difficult. Supply side has been. A challenge, oh, yeah. and it's uh, still a challenge. But uh, and we were lucky; we we're able to take a, a big position. You know, meaning we buy a lot. We were buying. We we all of a sudden our major candy supplier was uh, was running six to eight weeks behind on deliveries. So you imagine you're rolling into Christmas and you need candy, and you and you're and, and this is June. So you you make a big order and you're out of stock forty percent, fifty percent. Then you make another big order. We were we were getting twenty thousand dollar orders just to, to have it, and then we'd place another twenty thousand dollar. Wow! And uh, and so we just stacked it and stacked it, and then now you know we're right in the phase. You know, if still trying to you know we we didn't get hurt at, uh, at all, and we had a huge uh, season as a result of just having product. That's and, awesome. Uh, so candy is a huge, and you know. Um, Let's see everything else. We have great pickle products right now. We have um, pickled eggs. I mean, pickled eggs used to be the most marketed product in America, the most distributed product in America. Uh, at one point, they had more points of distribution in their cells than any other product in America. Interesting. Bars had pickled eggs. Pickled eggs were in grocery stores. Gas stations. Gas stations. I'm one of those weird people who likes pickled eggs. They're, kids think, they're gross. Most people think they're disgusting. I love them. Well, they, we, have, <laughs> we, we have pickled quail eggs, jalapeno pickled quail eggs. We have those. I got to try those. And those. We have the mild and the hot, and uh, those do really well. Pickled okra does well. Mm -hmm. uh, in the pickle category, that particular category has done well for us all of a sudden. It's just huh. really picked up. Our non-foods is doing extremely well. We, because, yeah, you've got your kitchen, kind of your kitchen section, kitchen supplies. Yep. Um, what else is back there? You, well, you've got... Dog stuff. Yeah, dog, I was going to say dog stuff. That's been, you know, uh, driven and, uh, you know, just everything. You know, we're, we're just trying to refine the small space we have right now and just keep, keep you know, adding we're, we're still adding so i don't know every year we fill it up, up off off season and we have to make room for christmas <laughs> we don't know how to do so that. there's also the little deli we should talk about that you got the little deli uh coffee shop sure uh what what kind of things do you have for sale in there well we have our number 15 which is which is our number one selling sandwich and also probably the fourth fifth best selling item in the store and what is that? As a uh, a turkey sandwich with roasted tomato hazelnut pesto, chipotle mayo, uh, smoked gouda, and bacon and tomato. 
That sounds good. It is good. <laughs> It doesn't look good. It is. I don't think that's that's too much tomato. Oh, that's a lot. That's a lot of tomato for a guy that doesn't like tomatoes. You like avocado? No, she does. Okay, then then put an avocado with it. They'll charge you for it, but add the avocado. I was just gonna say I was waiting for you to say avocado, and I would have been in, but you just kept saying tomato. (laughs) (laughs) So is it mostly a like a lunch kind of thing? It's a carry out only now. Gotcha. We we went to carry out only March seventeenth, two thousand twenty. The COVID. Yeah, and uh, we haven't gone back uh, to having seating. Much to the chagrin of, of people that were really enjoyed the. You know, the, the, and I enjoyed the atmosphere of the, of, um, well, of having it. Well, I know I went there a couple times before all that and had coffee and just kind of sat in the little bistro area. And it was fun. I liked it. Yeah, it was, I, I liked it too, but it's just, you know, it just, it's labor intense and, and, you know, in the space, the space we're eating up now that we need for, you know, all the stuff we're bringing in. Right. And so hopefully if we get the chance to expand, um, you know, we can bring some of that back, especially in the summertime and outside. This deli sounds good. I've never had one of the sandwiches. I need to go. Ham and Havarti with a roasted pineapple. They're on good. Oh, oh that sounds yum. Or, or a raspberry honey mustard, or they've got a turkey and Swiss, Swiss with pesto and cucumber. They are good. Turkey and Havarti with a lingonberry sauce. Man, that's, that just sounds that's good. That's a starter sandwich. That's a, that's, a, that's a good starter sandwich. And number nine is our the second Italian? best selling. Yeah, yeah that's, our, that's our second. We used to be our number one selling sandwich till number 15 came along. So, so Pyro's is very much so a family business. Obviously, that's how we met your daughter wandering around. I was just asking people at random if we can interview somebody. Does your whole family work there? Have they always worked there? Is it something that you plan on passing on to family? Well, you always hope so. Uh, you know, uh, when you now that uh, you've been in contact with my daughter, she's now my manager. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> she calls herself my manager now. That she sends me out to a podcast. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, I hope that was a good. Well, thing. you tell her she missed out. She, she missed out. Yeah. Uh, no, it's uh, my my wife and I are trying to back out. I want to back out just so I so it's a more of a. Uh, what do you call it? An investment business. Uh-huh. I, in order to open an auxiliary or additional units, I've got to be not be there. Yeah. So yeah. I want to, I want to really, you know, erase myself from being in the store and day to day operations as much. And, and that's my goal. So do you and have plans to open other? I, I would love to, um, I've had a war chest going for a long time. I'd love to open a secondary, um, you know, another location. Um, is that a spot specifically you're thinking of or? You know, I've got a I've got a theory on that, and I'm going to go get with the garbage men and find out where there are two cans outside. How many <laughs> outside each home? You know, wherever the two cans are at. When you go out in, in, uh, in on garbage day, and there's like every every house has two cans. That would be my neighborhood. I'm that's, in Riverton. That's Same. where I want to go. Yeah, go to Riverton, Harriman, Daybreak area. Yeah. Yeah, years ago, Daybreak tried, came to me and tried to get me to put a store in that little area. That, on Sugar Row? Yeah, on that row there. They gave me a screaming deal. I wish I had it, had it today. They, <laughs> they, they would have done so well. They wanted you there because no one wanted to be there because there weren't enough people yet. At right. first. Now it's, yeah, at first they were now begging Now there's people. concerts out there and stuff. Yeah, at first they were begging people to be out there, and now there's a waiting list a mile long to but, get out there. I mean, your store seems perfectly fit to be in a place like Sugar Hood. Yeah. Well, that's what they, I mean, uh, that particular place, they came and talked to me. And I mean, I think they want, for retail space, they were offering it to me for like three and a half dollars a square foot. Wow. 
That's such a good price. Oh, no, yeah. that's, that's ridiculous. That's like I should have said 100 years. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do, a, do a federal lease like oil lease. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, you know, you know, you know. In those days, we were losing money, and uh, we were just barely able to. You know, we were. It's hard to justify leasing a second location. Yeah, you know, it just was. We weren't capitalized uh, at all. At the, you know, you know, like I said, I thought, you know, I thought we knew something about retail. I thought I had a leg up, but <laughs> it, you know, it's it, it took a, it's a challenge. My best story about uh, Pirateos in this beginning is that in 1997. People go, why did you put a store here? <laughs> and, and, and and literally, in 1997, you'd wait 20 minutes for a car to drive by. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now you wait 20 minutes to get out of the parking lot. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, over there now. So, yeah, I mean, when uh, I, I, I'm assuming in the 70s when that building was built, that was the only thing out there. Oh, no, the building was moved there. Oh, moved there. Yeah, that's a story unto itself. The building is the real story. Mm-hmm. It, uh, it was moved there in 1946. Oh, wow. By Eugene Ballard. And he bought that building, and it was the, it was the theater at Fort Douglas. Oh, that is interesting. Yeah, that's it's a great, a great story. And then, and then the theater at Fort Douglas, what they did, they took nine feet off. It was built as part of the war effort. The, the military built 10,000 of those type buildings all across the United States, uh, to, um, to, to uh, store war supplies. They just built some of them in two hours. Huh. They were building them so fast. And this building is, you know, it's just, you, you see though, you can go to any military base and probably find one mm-hmm. of the same block and tackle, I call it building uh, style. So when Mr. Uh, Ballard, Eugene Ballard got out of prisoner, German prisoner war camp, huh. they, they gave the GIs after World War II the first right of refusal on war surplus. And you can look it up, and they say in, in the in the Google lookup, it'll say, it was a strange passing of a law. <laughs> and they, they, they're not sure how it went through, but the, they gave the, the GIs that had been interred in prison first right of refusal. And that building was bought as a surplus for war huh. surplus, and it moved out there in 1946. That's so wild. That is so, really cool. The building has some history. I, I think it would be remiss uh, when talking about Pirados not to mention, because we've talked about all the cool stuff that you guys import from around the globe, uh, you know, particularly a lot of the stuff from Europe, but you guys sell a ton of local stuff too. And I think that's really important because there's not a lot of, you know, grocers in the valley that do, like we talked about Trader Joe's. Trader Joe's doesn't sell any local stuff. Amen. Uh, and, and, you know, a lot of the grocery stores, you know, the Smiths and, and, and the like, they don't sell local food. Um, it's very rare. Harmon's does a pretty decent yeah, job Harman's of partnering with some local that, folks, but it sells local. You guys sell a lot of local stuff. Well, I, I want to give a shout out to Harmon's. Uh, they have started more local businesses and support more local businesses than probably anybody in this valley. Uh, as a matter of fact, I wouldn't probably be in this business if it wasn't for Harmon's. Uh, Dean Peterson, uh, Bobby Harmon, uh, and, uh, his brother Randy and, uh, Daryl, uh, they've changed some leadership. Uh, Dean Peterson just retired in the last year. But those people I grew up in the grocery business with, and they have bought locally from everybody, and they have made more businesses. And when you see the, the filtering of the businesses that have been created as a result of, of being, Harmon's being accepting, 
to local stuff here, you'll really get a sense of what of what really that means and uh, in doing business with uh, with Harmons. Now, granted, they're a tough competitor, and um, and uh, you know they'll they're as, as aggressive as any chain out there. They'll they'll steal, and they know me. They'll steal every idea I can come up with. <laughs> <laughs> I used to sell them all their health foods and all their specialty foods, and and I even wanted before I did this gig, I wanted them to give me that business. Uh, to, uh, I went to them and said, "Hey, you know, I'm 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 out on the uh, thing. I want to do a specialty food operation just for you and to start that." And they they looked at me and said, well, "Where are you going to get the help?" <laughs> this, this is 20 years ago. They, and they've grown a ton since then. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah well, as just for an example, uh, Chocolate Conspiracy, we talked to those guys, and he was selling candy bars out of his backpack on the college grounds. But Harmon's was one of their big breakthroughs that actually let them put it in the store. They still sell it there. That's, yeah, they that's still where sell I go Harman's, now. But, still. But that's a perfect example of Harmon's giving the small guy a chance. And that really gave them the opportunity to start growing and, and expanding because Harmon's gave him a chance. Oh, yeah. And that's uh, I'm sure there's hundreds, if not thousands, of, of opportunities like that. So that's a, you know, uh, and, and they're the only ones. I mean, Smith's is their, their Kroger. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Reams used to be really good to deal with like that too. Uh, you could, you could go in and talk and, and do business with them on a small basis. And, so are you open to these small businesses coming to you to sell the products or is that? Oh yeah, all the time. Okay, uh, good. It's, uh, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting. They, uh, the, the local vendor comes to you and goes, you should buy from me because you're local. <laughs> and I look at him and go and say, you should give me a deal because I'm local. <laughs> Sometimes it creates a little friction. And a lot of times they're just getting started and they're very amateuristic. And they, they don't understand like the value and what stuff's going to cost. And they, they want to sell. Space is valuable. Yeah. And they want to sell their chocolate bar that can retail at, let's say, $8. To you for seven and expect you to carry it. And it's oh, like, yeah. No, I can't. I can't. I know you can sell it for eight bucks out of your bag, but you're asking for my space and my time. Well, here's the real deal. The, the, you know, the farmer's market people, you know, everybody's gotten the patented farmers, get, you know, get, get it down to the farmer's mm-hmm. market or the other markets. And they go down there and I call that bayonet marketing. You know, they're there with the customer in front of them and they're selling their candy bar for five or six bucks or 10 bucks. And oh man, it's sold. They, they sold, you know, 200 that day. You know, well, I could put them in your store here and you'd sell really, really well. But then all of a sudden we put them, we put that candy bar up against the other three aisles of mm-hmm. candy <laughs> and, and it doesn't stand out. It's just 10 bucks. <laughs> right. And so, and that's with all these different products that uh, people come in and try to, you know, say, well, I sold it to market and it sold for this price. And, and well, it's that's because you're there to hype it up. Yeah, exactly. Give out a free explain, sample or explain and, it or, you know, say why it's worth that. Like the reason. That I like chocolate conspiracy chocolate is as good. They sweeten it with honey. There's not sugar. I'm not eating sugar right now. Guess what? I went and bought a whole bunch of right now. <laughs> I went and bought a bought a whole bunch because I can have chocolate and but, I'm not eating the sugar. But without that explanation, it's just right. a ten dollar yeah, candy bar. But with that, you're just like <laughs> it's a ten dollar okay. chocolate bar up against German chocolate and English chocolate and Dutch chocolate, <laughs> and, and and the fact that the person has to see it. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's, it's just hidden in, uh, inside another 300 different selections. So, you know, yeah, we, we support we a lot of hot sauce, local hot sauces come in. Aziz hot sauce out of Ogden is doing really, really well. I love those folks. They're tattoo people. Yeah. And they had the, uh, you know them? 
No, no. I, I've heard of them. Okay, because they they uh, they have one of the oldest tattoo parlors in Salt Lake, and uh, and their their packaging's unique because of their artistic thing. You know, a lot of um, packaging when they have a line, but every product will look the same, uh, except for the label of you know this one's Ghost and this is Carolina and this is something else. But their packaging is you know everyone's unique, unique. eye catching. Yeah, that's cool. Very nice and great product. Great product. So we're really happy when when something succeeds uh, like that. And, uh, you know, Salsa Mendoza is another one we started mm-hmm. with. And most of them will walk in the door. My wife rolls her eyes at me. Because, <laughs> <laughs> Here's another one. And, uh, you know, if we wouldn't do that, though, we wouldn't have some really great products in in our store. And, then, and the other thing that really helps us is customers tell us. They'll come in and say – and some of them do it for their own yeah, you know, they'll say, "Can you get this?" And the, you got to watch out because they're because they're used to buying it at, at another store for six dollars, and they know we're going to sell it for four fifty, right? Because we have a higher volume, less margin, and and so they're really being self serving. They want us to carry it so they can buy it cheaper, and um, yeah, we're okay with that. But that, that's not the the real drive. Right. We we want to buy a product because it's you know got merit to because it can sell, sell to other people. Well, yeah, you know, well, you want something that sells if they bring a good idea. Right. And you sell a ton of it, but if you sell one, yeah. it's that's not good. Yeah, we we have a lot of we have a lot of product in the store that customers have said get this, and it, they're great. I wonder our best sellers, some of our best sellers are customer uh, people said, hey, get this. Well, we have one more question for you because you put down some real permanent roots here in Utah. Um, what is the most interesting or unique thing that you've discovered about Utah in your time here? Utah. Utah, the beehive state. <laughs> the most interesting thing I discovered, I discovered the 70s snow, <laughs> snowbird, snowbird and the, and the powder, uh, you know, the, uh, went back in the day when, when it would actually powder out, you know, and you mm-hmm. get, you know, 10 or 12 inches of snow on the ground regularly. Um, I used to have the best pair, uh, five pairs. Of of cotton, not cotton, of of, of buffed wool underwear. <laughs> <laughs> they were so good. They were they weren't itchy like you would think wool underwear were. They were the most comfortable things. And it was so cold in those days. And you know, and, and oh, yeah. we were always outside. It seemed like and stuff. And that was that was uh, really fun to have here in Utah. Well, that's awesome. So, how where where's the store located so people can find you if they haven't been there? Even well, you can Google us. Uh, Pirate O's will pop right up. But if you and so if you forget, you can just Google us. Pirate O's. Arg. And uh, by the way, September nineteenth, talk like a pirate day. Oh yeah, it's a national holiday. Not a, not a made up one. It's a real deal. It's a real deal. Yeah. It is. yeah. And Just be carrying does free donuts if you go and dress like a pirate. <laughs> that's that's right. So are we going to get some free cheese? Uh, <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> you do get free stuff when you come dressed as a pirate at Pirate O's. There's no question. And talk like a pirate day. Oh, there we so, go. Oh, um, so we pitch it. We're, we're, on Draper, we're in Draper, 119th South um, in Draper, east side of the street. Can't miss us. Look like a, we look like a biker bar. Kind of. <laughs> and uh, we did on Saturday. We have some friends, uh, some guys that come for, um, uh, they bring the Black Pearl um a catering truck, taco truck. Oh. And they're biker group and they can, they bring it out and, uh, on biker, on, uh, pirate day. And they were, they came out Saturday and had all their bikes parked out front. It's got cool. Nice. That's <laughs> cool. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a, a blast to talk to you. 
Yeah, I need to drink water. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think that's going to do it for the show tonight, uh, folks. So if you like what you heard, please share the episode. Um, you can, do you want to do your tarot card real quick? Yeah. I forgot about it. You can find us out on social media at, uh, at TNU Podcast and our website, thenewutah.com. We have links to tons of stuff and eventually I'll post three blogs in a row that are all, <laughs> they're all sitting there and written and they're all ready to be published. I just was waiting to publish, uh, uh, 301, which was actually, uh, uh, Alexi's, uh, oh, Alexi yeah, Fisher yeah, yeah. The, with, with the cocktail, yeah. collective. cocktail collective. Um, that was her, uh, her episode. I wrote the blog and then I was trying to double check. Anyway, it doesn't matter. They'll be up soon. Uh, so what, uh, what's the, okay, our the card? card today is take a fucking trip. Go see some shit. Go do some new things. Talk to people cooler than you. <laughs> All right, there you go. I think we did part of that. Yeah, and if you uh if you've never been to Pyrodos oh, or even if you have, you have to go to Pyrodos. And we have definitely talked to somebody cooler than all of us tonight. 